You know it and I know it, ladies and gentlemen. You missed the theme song because last week we had to go al fresco. But it's back, and so am I in the United States of America, and that can only mean one thing. That I'm back for a week five and week four, actually, recaps of the taxi cab fiasco with Dan Ruddle. What's up, Dan? Oh, man, all kinds of... So I'm watching the Philadelphia Eagles uh, beat up on the Bucks in the background here. So if I seem to trail off a little bit at times, I apologize. Riveting preseason NFL action. Yeah, that's fair. You know, good old 17 to 9 exhibition game certainly takes precedence <laughs> over the. Uh, and by the way, I didn't mention the show that the taxi cab fiasco and the filibuster freestyle are chronicling. That would be HBO's crime drama, The Night of. Uh, last week we did a short but sweet podcast. Uh, I was in Barcelona. You were in Amish country driving and. To be honest, for, for a guy who was uh, really jet-lagged and for a guy who was driving a car, I <laughs> thought we did a pretty good job, especially because I didn't see the episode. <laughs> yeah, I think we spit hot fire for uh, extemporaneously, uh, you know, in a car and in a hotel room several thousand miles away. I think we really uh, I think we Really, really stuck the landing yeah. like Kerry Strug back in 96 to use an Olympic reference. Um, yes. Really yes. quickly, speaking of the Olympics and speaking of you saying you might be trailing off during exhibition football... Uh, I've got on the Olympics in the, uh, the studio here, and frankly, when, when Michael Phelps and his, uh, his foil du jour or, you know, of life, uh, Ryan Ja Lochte, get a, go at it in a bit, I may trail off too in the 200 I am, but let's try to focus on the facts. Oh. And by the way, the facts, okay. you texted me that this deer head, you broke this kind of deer head theory last week that the deer head has been moved in, in, in the scene in Andrea's apartment. I believe, I believe yeah. first of all, it's Andrea. I called her Andrea, which forced you to call her Andrea. Her name's Andrea, and she has an apartment with a deer head, and you, you think that maybe you may have jumped the gun a little on that? Do you want to offer a slight mea culpa? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I did. I think that I don't know what's going on there. Um, the, the, the Indiana Jones-style hat is still there behind the deer head, but there's something amiss. But I, I don't know if it's shoddy prop work um, by the people that are running the show or if there's something to it. But it appears that the only thing that you can really that you can really hang anything on is the, the drop of blood that is under the deer's eye that is there. Um after the fact and not before, uh, correct. Not as as we discussed, you know the yeah. So I, I think the, the it's hand of the deer head. Yeah, I think I think you're honest. Something with the deer head, you might not know what it is, but that's exactly what they want is you to not know what it is. Hence, it being yes. a crime mystery. So what we're gonna do? Well, number two, you're up in Massachusetts, my home, my home Commonwealth. Uh, yes. At Holy Cross, I think visiting from your wife's friends or something of that nature. And you found yourself up there looking at street signs, and uh, you came up with a fake band name of the week. So why don't you let the fans have it? Yeah, um, I, I went to school up in the area. I went to Franklin Pierce University. Um, little known fact, uh, university named for who is widely believed to be, have been the worst president in United States history. Nothing wrong with 44th place. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, but um, my my wife Deirdre, uh, that girlfriend, lived, went to Holy Cross, and uh, I would travel those roads through like the Mount Wachusett, uh, Princeton area. Yeah, literally towns that was, have no people in them, but that's cool. 
Yeah, and I was struck by uh, the street sign that said "thickly settled." Um, <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty funny fake band name to the week. But it was uh, you you would come to an area where the "thickly settled" sign was, and it would literally be it would be like there were a cluster of maybe six houses within a quarter mile stretch, Correct. and that is what they deemed to be thickly settled. Yeah, it's like an old New England thing there, where like. Yeah. Thickly settled because that was before they had speed limits, so they just wanted to let you know there was people, so you should go slower. And uh, mm. I remember when I was learning how to drive in Massachusetts, my dad's like, "Oh, you got to slow down to thirty here. It's thickly settled." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, if you get if it's thickly settled, you go under 30 And so my my original thought was, well, "Why would they just make this make make a thirty mile per hour speed limit?" But um, right. But my dad, you know, my dad and I definitely, you know, he imparted that wisdom to me that you know, thickly steady means under thirty, and good good for that, and. Fake band name of the week for sure. Good one. Philbusterfreestyle.com, by the way. We are going to put up a list of all of our fake band names of the week over the last 18, 20 months. And uh, yeah. if anybody wants to buy any of those fake band names from us, holler at your boy at Gavin Viano on Twitter. All right. Yeah. Let's get in. You're going to have to pay dearly, though. Because oh, dearly. Dearly, dearly. $2, a $8, $1 million, anywhere in between yeah. for the price of on the house backstage tickets. All right. So let's go to week four. As you mentioned, Nas, not better off than he was at the end of week three when his bed was burning. Opening scene, his bed is burned to a crisp. Um, to a crisp. To Absolutely. a crisp. And he's got this new friend, and you alluded to that when we talked. And let's just fast forward on that because, you know, a lot of it's not super duper important uh, because there's been a whole other show since. Bottom line is, uh, Freddie keeps trying to get Nas to, to kind of come under his protection, and this this new to kiss the ring in a matter of speed. Correct, and this new bunkmate's like, nah, you don't want to do that. Nah, you don't want to do that. Nah, you don't want to do that. And it, fast forward, we learn why. It's because that guy, like everybody else in Rikers Island, thinks Nas did it because apparently in prison saying you didn't do it doesn't actually mean you didn't do it. And this gentleman he tells Nas and the rest of us that his cousin or niece was brutally murdered by some jackass. And then, basically, that guy tried to kill his his niece's murderer, avenged the death, and missed, missed him. killed the bus boy. He's in Rikers Island for life. He then basically tells Nas how he's going to try to burn his face off or how one could do it. And then, by the end of the episode, tries to burn Nas' face off with mm, yeah. what I believe was boiling water from, like, the... Uh, cup of noodles machine and then was it like baby oil what was it yes that was the magic concoction was um you get the the cup of noodles hot water from the uh the water cooler you know how uh, on your water cooler if you if you're in an office and you've got the you get the red and the blue water and the hot water yeah so the red if you combine that with uh baby oil apparently it's a very very potent uh jailhouse weapon um and yeah and so basically definitely seems to Nas gets it, but Nas blocks it with his arm. Uh, Nas yep. doesn't rat on the guy to the guards, but does decide he wants an appointment with Freddy. And I'll just fast forward to episode five. Uh, Freddy and his muscle guy, whose name might be Jimmy, uh, they take care of that guy in the shower pretty good. And then Nas goes all like footstop masterpiece, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance on the guy. And uh, yes, he does. shows some serious rage. Um, yep. So the guy did ask for it, even when he was beat up. He, he called Nas some, some really not nice epithets, and uh, he got it. Nas kind of went yeah. buck wild on him there. Were you surprised by Nas's buck wild streak there, or not really? Well, you know, no, not so much, because I think that initially Nas handled him with kid gloves and gave him just a quick kick to the ribs and 
was done with it, and then the dude provoked him. And then I think that you know Nas is kind of quickly realizing that you know w- when you're in Rikers and you've got really nothing else about the only thing you got going for you is your pride and your and people's respect for you and you can't let somebody get away with that so i think he acted accordingly yes actually i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack yeah no Dude, I please would. just just because he was so mild-mannered before i think you see a very sharp turn in the character of nas in this in this episode in particular he shaves his head all of a sudden he's a badass he's beating up a guy in the shower and he really just kind of seems to finally let out some of that rage that he feels um, over this whole fiat. Well, who knows? Maybe it's more deep-seated than just the, the, the taxi cab fiasco in the parlance of our podcast here. Yeah. Um, and it's real deep-seated rage that he's had even before then and he, he really beats the bag out of that guy. Yeah, and you gotta think about for a minute, like you know, and it becomes relevant later in the podcast and later in the show in the episode five is, you know, Nas has had to endure kind of a lot of people, I don't know, kind of racially stereotyping him due to his Pakistani American heritage. Um, People tend to talk a lot of smack to him. It seems like he's done a pretty good job of keeping his head down and his mouth shut for, you know, probably all of his preteen and teen years. And uh, now he's landed himself on Rikers Island. And uh, to your point, I think there's probably a lot of stuff back there that, that probably, whether there's more or, or more to Nas's character in a, in a deep-seated flawed way or not, he probably had some pent-up aggression. He definitely got it out on that too. Yeah. Faux show. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, I don't think that necessarily came out in an authentic way. I think, you know, him now having the protection of Freddie, yes. I think, allowed him to really... I mean, he, he, let, let's put it this way: Nas isn't going into the shower and picking a fight with that guy, and eventually putting him in an ICU, as we later learn he was in. Correct. Uh, as a Cor- result, that of was an, that was a wind aided victory, if you will. Uh, Correct. Use a track yeah. term. All right, let's switch gears for a second. We'll get back to Nas. Plenty more. Andre, Andrea, excuse me, Andrea's funeral. John Stone goes to it. Thought that was yes, weird. Uh, Detective Box also went through it. Didn't think that was as weird. But I do like how um, John Stone's trying to talk to some of Andrea's friends. Uh, you know, he clearly, he, he clearly will go to any length, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, uh, to try to glean information. That's what we learn there. Um, but what we also notice, and what Stone notices, is that the stepfather character is having an argument with some other dude. Some other, as you mentioned last week, some other young white dude. Who is yep. not friend of the show, our buddy Brian Burton, who plays the, the kennel warden guy. And that was the dude that I thought you were talking about initially. Then I went back and I Googled Brian Burton. And, yeah. And I yeah, came so, to find so, that was so that, so that dude is somebody else, and we learn who he is in episode five. But, but Stone picks this up, takes a picture with his iPhone of this, this conversation between the stepfather and this other dude. And, and we'll get back to that later. But bottom line is we – you know, we know there's something, we know there's layers to the onion, and I think that altercation between the stepfather, who we were already very suspicious of, and random dude number one, huge implications, and of course Stone notices it. Did you have any theories after that scene on anything, or was it too soon to tell? I, I'm curious to know who that guy is. I, I have a feeling that that guy is in some way, shape, or form 
uh, a brother or a stepbrother or a cousin with whom Andrea is close. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really don't know. I really want to see more of that character. I want to see more of the character of the father. Excuse me, the stepfather. Yeah. Um, Good. Sorry. No, no, no. It was just interesting to see that, that, and that was the guy that we were that when you asked me if we meet any new white male characters last week, that was specifically the guy. Specifically, that was, that was white male number one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Because technically, our buddy Brian Burton shows up in episode three, the original kennel scene, uh, the you know the dog uh-huh. pond scene. So, um, what I what I thought was interesting was they had a little bit of an audible part to the conversation where one of the two guys said, "I'm still her family, or I'm still part of the family." So. Clearly, there's an estrangement there as well. Yeah, and it's unclear as to who says what in the conversation. One, Correct. I, I believe the, the words were something to the question of the of an inquisitive response. What am I doing here? I'm still in the family, blah, blah, blah. And then someone else saying, don't call me again. Um, it, was, it wasn't all audible, to, to your point, but it was an interesting... It, 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 certainly an eye-raising, an eyebrow-raising exchange. Correct. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on. All right. What we also learn is that Andrea was at this place called Invictus House. Um, yes. Stone kind of sees it in one of her pictures, kind of goes... What's interesting, actually, let me back up, because we see this more in episode five, is that Stone is very meticulous, and the detective box is very meticulous, and they, they kind of notice everything. So he notices this picture, figures out where it is. He goes to this Invictus house, which we learn is like a drug rehab center. And yep. what's fantastic is the woman who played Tony Soprano's sister apparently runs it. She comes out, talk to, to Tortoro, John Stone, asking him to leave. But some other sleazebag guys behind her, and we learn more about him in a minute. Because um, he basically says to Stone, yeah, I thought you were a reporter or whatever. Basically, he gives... He's willing for 350 bucks to give to, to zip drive Andrea's file onto John Stone's phone. Um, yeah. Which John Stone, of course, takes that and runs with it. So he also says that for 100 bucks ahead moving forward, he'll give dirt on any celebrity that comes through there. So we're learning a lot about just kind of the, the, the people with these key jobs are all kind of grease and, grease and wheels. Um, yeah. Were you interested to find out that that was a drug rehab center or was that not too surprising to you? Well, um, I don't know that I was surprised to find out that it was a drug rehab center. Um, I think that I, uh, I, as I alluded to in, in an attempt to not give something away last week, I, I said that we start to begin to find, we start to begin to learn some things about Andrea's past, some of which are not surprising. Yep. You know, you saw that dark side in her in the very brief time she spent on camera in the show, you know, she's, it, it's an interesting show in that she's a focal point of the show and yet she only, you know, the grand total of her screen time is like 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, but you know, you saw this dark side of her and I think that it was an interesting thing to see that, you know, yes, indeed she was in drug rehab. Um, interesting side note, you know who the sleaze bag was? No. Who's that? Vinny Del Pino. Oh, see, that was the guy you told me was in TGIF. Yeah, that's dude, Vinny Max Del Pino. Casella. Yeah, hey dog. Yeah, dude, that was Vinny. That was Vinny Del Pino. That's Vinny Del Pino. Wow. Yes, <laughs> the Duke. <laughs> yes, Duke Howser, MD. Which, by the way, 
Neil had Neil Patrick Harris was Doogie Hauser, and has that guy had a run or what since he became Barney Stinson oh. on How I Met Your Mother? Wow, a lister out yeah. of nowhere after years of yeah. nothing. Maybe this is Vinny Del Pino's breakout Barney Stinson role. I don't know, but shout out to that guy. Um, well, he, you know, he had a, he had a brief stint on The Sopranos, and he had something else. Well, you know what's also interesting is I think this show. I told you when this show first started, and I've noticed it more since. That, that uh, former Tony Soprano, you know, the actor, um, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini, yeah. He's still listed as an executive producer of the show. And yeah. uh, in that scene, you have Vinny Del Pino, who had a, sh- a, sh- a short turn in Sopranos. You have the woman who played Tony Soprano's sister as the woman running Invictus, um, as, you know, another, one, another connection to that show. So we're seeing a nice regurgitation. We know we know about Bodie, whose name is Trevor in this show. We found that out tonight. Yep. Um, yep. We obviously the guy who played Omar, you know, is Freddie from The Wire. Yep. Um, lot of HBO hit series alums doing their thing in this yep. in this series. It's kind of all I wanted to bring up yep. there. So let's go really quickly to an interesting side note of like the damage that these kind of these crimes have. I mean, Nas's poor little brother Hassan who's a straight-A student, is now getting picked yeah. on in school, getting into fights, and basically being asked to not go to school by the principal, which I definitely think is a civil rights abuse, and I definitely think, I know they can't afford another lawyer, but they probably, I mean, that just stinks. That poor kid. Yeah, yeah, he's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad road to hoe for that poor guy. He's that, done nothing wrong. That but, whole family, know, man. Okay, so let's, let's, get, let's cut to the chase. Um... Well, a couple things before the chase. So, uh, in the courthouse, John Stone is getting off. Uh, he, he's getting a lady of the <laughs> evening. A lady of the evening uh, who is one of the clients, he is getting her acquitted or released from a, a, a prostitution sting charge. We come yep. to find out that they have, like, an agreement where I'm guessing she pays him in services. And that's, that's cool, whatever, you know. Yeah, you know. Is what it is. Um, yeah. But that being said... He runs into, uh, and you know, Chandra, whose real name is Amara Karan, and I got her name wrong last week because I was jet-lagged. I'm sorry, Amara. But, um, so anyway, he gives her the records of Andrea's time at Invictus and says, you know, you should take these. They're not admissible now, but if you subpoenaed it, they would be. Basically trying to help her, as you quickly speculated, he's taking an interest in this case, regardless of being Nas's lawyer. He's trying to stay in the game. And... Yep. That becomes very, very important because your girl, Allison Crow, as you alluded to correctly last week, what yep. a B-word. Um, so number one, she totally blows up John Stone for being a terrible lawyer. Uh, she totally sold Nas's parents on her being able to get their son off. And basically, she just turns around and tries to make a plea deal for him to plead guilty to manslaughter one. And 15 yeah. years in prison, which is what John Stone was trying to do from the get-go. Yeah. She goes in and, and sells him a bill of goods about how John Stone is going to do nothing but take a plea deal and goes and does the exact thing that she came to Nas's parents and sold them on not doing. Right. The only difference so, is she was doing it pro bono, which saved them 50 grand, but her son's still going to jail 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your uh, okay? So anyway, you know, basically from the courthouse side of things, um, you know, Nas is definitely being swayed by a lot of people who are saying, "Dude, 
Like, if you go to trial, yeah, you could get off, but this is a guaranteed chance to not be in jail the rest of your life. All yeah. you got to do is say you're guilty, and they even get so far, just to speed through if you have another episode to get to, as basically him admitting that he'll do it, and that he did it, and all this, and then the woman literally asks, like, you know, so you killed her? And he's like, no, I didn't kill her. So basically, Allison Crow has a fit. They go back to the jail cell. Um, Chandra had already she given... Quits. Chandra had... She quits. He, he tries to fire her. She's like, you can't fire me. I quit. Um, and all of a sudden, Chandra goes from holding coffees to being his new lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Straight into the frying pan. Really quickly. So we really moved through the Allison Crow attorney phase. So now he's on lead, lead lawyer number three. Um, which is pretty impressive, and you know Chandra gave him some really good advice, which was if you if you killed her, take the deal, and if you didn't, fight it, and and essentially that's what he decides to do. And now, whether we like the dream team or not, it is the rookie lawyer uh, with with the you know I'm I'm rooting for her. I think she'll do great with the cunning veteran, the old schooler. Uh, John Stone. It's going to be really and interesting. America's favorite eczema patient. Oh my goodness gracious! What he is doing for eczema uh. awareness is what Michael Phelps, who just won <laughs> another gold medal, by the way, has done for swimming, which is put it on the map, baby. That's my way, my yeah. roundabout way of saying congratulations to Michael Phelps for his gold medal win just now. All right. In the yes, 200 man. IM, I believe it was gold medal number tw- or medal number 22 or gold. I don't know, Michael. Sorry, rap apology in in in, in absentia. I'm jet lagged. Did um, he beat that? Heard from South Africa that kept trying to stare him down. Dude, he just beat like he just won a relatively short race by a relatively impressive amount. So yeah, he just smoked. Oh yeah, yeah, he just smoked a dude. Little interlude there. So let's go really quickly to um, I don't know. I think you know Freddie. Freddie sparred a dude. Freddie killed a dude basically um, in prison. That was something. Yeah. What did you make of the cell phone business in that? Did you get the sense that that guy was? Selling burners in, inside too, and that yeah, was I feel like he was moving in on Freddie's burner market, and yeah. uh, they they used a sparring partner thing to basically turn it into a, you know, a, a, a licensed either murder or at least another get another ICU trip at Rikers Island. Um, so that was really interesting. Freddie clearly is a bad dude. Clearly has a soft side, but has a very 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 hard side. I mean, no question. Oh about yes, it. he does. Um, so it's good to kindly, kindly see Freddie and what he can do. Um, so we learn a lot about Freddie's character. We learn a l- little bit about Nas's character. We learn a ton about Alison Crow's character. She has none. Um, and we basically leave with, yeah. with that being the scene. Is it, would you feel, do you feel like we covered most of the stuff from that? For the most part, yeah. I think Allison, you know, she's, uh, yeah. I... I, I she really left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Do you think she comes back into play? There's probably at least one more dramatic scene with her and Chandra, yes? Probably. Yeah, I, I, you know what? You know, Chandra, as far as you can tell, is still an employee of that law firm. Yes, she is. So, <laughs> you know, I think at some point you're going to have them saying, hey, this is a... Well, I, I think she said also that they'll no longer do it pro bono. Was that correct? Do I remember that That correctly? is correct. So now she's authorized to spend $20,000. She's going to find a way to get thirty for John Stone, and the rest of it's yeah. basically probably going to be her doing it pro bono, which, honestly, not a bad move. She's getting salary anyway. She can build the hours, and it's going to be a high-profile case. Now, can wh- she build the hours, though? Well, I think she can build the if hours she's doing in terms it pro bono. of. I think you can build the hours in terms of working on the case. I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? Like she's authorized to work on the case. My only question is, do they try to get her to quit the case? I'm projecting now, 
and does she need to quit and start her own like yeah that, that's kind of what I was getting at there is that it, it seems like it's eventually going to be why are you spending time on this case still it's not making us any money it's you know the guy it, it seems like they they're building the story in a way in a manner that seems like all of the odds are getting stacked against Nas and that the, the, the case seems to be a no-brainer where he's guilty and Right. The media, the press, the DA, all the way up to the the judge are going to spin it that way. Yeah, that's about right. It's 100% right, actually. Um, so it, it seems like the kind of thing that, you know, uh, a younger associate attorney, i.e. Chandra, um, could catch some heat from an older partner, i.e. Allison, Um to say, okay, let, let, let's move on and start doing something that's going to bring money and, notor- and or notoriety to this firm. No question. That's a good thing. But she's basically been a kind of a coffee gopher, so we're, we're hoping for the best for her and, yeah. and for Nas. All right, so that brings us to episode five. I just watched tonight. Well, here, here's one thing. Yeah. Just real quick. So we do find, remember how before we touched on uh, in previous episodes about, you know, just wondering what exactly it is that Freddie's taken an interest in Nas about. Yes. It seems to be, and if this is the case, that he should take the deal and run, is that it seems like what Freddie wants from him is help. He sees Nas as a smart guy. He sees him as a college kid. Yes. You know, Freddie Freddie never got past high school, so he basically sees him as someone who can help him as someone who's going to spend the rest of their life in jail, presumably. I guess we don't really know that. Do we know if he's serving a life sentence? I mean, he's clearly in there for a while because he clearly is setting up shop and, you know, it's his home yeah. away from home. So I think he's there for good. That is a good point. I'm glad you brought it up. And the other point I thought of, too, is I feel like the Allison Crow arc, if you will, thus far, has been to set up John Stone and Chandra as this, like, necessary, unlikely team in yeah. that... They both have a reason to go the extra mile, whereas she just wanted to get her name in the headlines, reduce the sentence, and plea it out too. Um, yeah. She, you know, her altruism was not actually very altruistic. No, but what it's done is it's, it's set up, it, it's made much more plausible the dynamic of two people who've, you know, essentially taken a very vested interest in it. And they actually, in episode sure. five, they continue to paint John Stone's character as. You know this lovable loser with the heart. You know he's got this kind of Julia Roberts yeah, pretty woman thing going for a boy. Punchline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's courtroom punchline. He's actually a barroom punchline. Um, yeah. Even his what we learn. Let's throw this in as an aside. <laughs> even his pharmacist makes fun of him. So I mean, uh, no. his, his doctor makes fun of him. Uh, <laughs> he goes to career day at his kid's school in episode five, and they make fun of him. So like, and a lot of it's the sandals, and the tevas, and the saran wrap feet full of eczema. Um, but a lot of it's just kind of where he's at in life. So it's going to be interesting. All right. Speaking of that, episode five starts with John Stone taking his doctor's advice. Uh, he grabbed an x-ray lamp and some sweet blue blockers, and he's x-raying yep. his feet. He's taking steroids, which we learn has some side effects, which we can probably speculate on. Um, and yep. as I just mentioned, he goes to his kid's high school for career day, and um, you know his feet are wrapped up like Subway sandwiches, to use his words. All I gotta go with is, dude. How does one contract or develop eczema? Do you have any idea on this? I, I I don't know. I mean, in the manner in which he's got it, it seems terrible. I mean, 
it happens with babies quite often. In fact, my daughter has had it you yeah. know, in a mild form. So, I mean, it's, but it seems to go away and it seems to be the kind of thing. But like, it seems like with him, it's a uh, pretty, <laughs> well, it, it doesn't seem like it. It's, it's a central theme in the show is that his eczema is debilitating in the sense that he has to wear those hideous sandals and the <laughs> put Crisco on his feet and continual to, you know, take steroids and stuff that uh, make him not be able to perform in a manner of speaking. Correct. Um, we learned that a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he, you know, again, I don't, he, I don't think you contract it. I think you just get it. And it's not necessarily something that you, that, that's transmittable from person to person. Well, well, let's go out there on a limb and say that if you're not a little baby and you have eczema, go to your doctor way sooner than John Stone did. Yeah, because he's in a bad way. Bad way. Okay, speaking of bad ways, getting better. So Nas has had a chance to uh, avenge the guy who burned him, beat the crap out of him. He's now got his own jail cell right next to Freddie's cell. He's, he's, you know, in Rikers Island terms, moving on up like the Jeffersons. Uh, much better spot than that murder floor that he was on for the first couple weeks, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the chances of having oil and, you know cup of noodles water thrown on you are pretty slim if you've got your own cell. Correct, correct. Now he's doing push-ups, he's getting his thing together, we'll get into that later, but, so we, we learn off the bat that, you know, Freddie's, Freddie's able to kind of pull him out of that very quickly, and we learn, yep. we, we learn more about that soon. Um, okay, so, we just kind of touched on it, but obviously Amara Karan, uh, aka Chandra, goes to Stone's apartment, offers him 20 grand to take the case. He says thirty-five. They ended at fifty. This dude loves bartering over five thousand dollar increments, does he not? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it sure does. Um, so the dream team is now concise set. Concise answer there. Yeah. No, you really nailed it. It's huh? all about do, it. Do the Eagles kick a field goal or something like that? <laughs> no, it's the end of the game. They won. This is a war. Seventeen nine. Seventeen nine. Battle of attrition. Speaking of battles of attrition, so the the, the dream team is now set, and the DA's team. Is also in her office along with Detective Box. They're having a strategy session, uh, and the DA and, and 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 John Stone come to the same conclusion, which is all the defense really has is to try to follow this wormhole of did Andrea drug Nas? If they can prove it, if he was drugged, there might be some plausibility for a case there that, that he was not acting, you know, certainly premeditatively, if anything else. Uh, what yeah. what'd you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you, you find out some interesting things there. Number one, um, what we thought was cocaine appears to have been ketamine. Correct. Uh, which is, you know, sp- you know the, the street name Special K. But, Special K, horse, you know, horse you, tranquilizer. <laughs> horse tranquilizer, but as, was it, I don't think it was Fox, I think it was... Um, Stone actually goes into talking about the effects of it as it makes you, let, let's say, very randy, and then after you've, um, let's say, performed, it makes you pass out. Correct. So, um, so it's a very interesting uh, twist there that kind of explains how one second you see them making out hot and heavy, and the next second you see him yeah, passed out. Dehydrated by the, the fridge. fridge. Right, exactly. Yeah. It also, it's fun because it gives, well, it gives us some nuance into that and explains how he could have, a.k.a. blacked out or something. Um, uh-huh. It also kind of gives us a nice little insight into, you know, Chandra's asking why anybody would take ketamine recreationally. And, of course, as you just mentioned, Stone explains it, um, you know, not very eloquently, but, but it's okay. She gets it. 
and and then it gives her a little bit of you know you know of course you wouldn't you wouldn't pass out if you had some you know cocaine or something else in there with it and um, she's like how do you know, how do you know something about drugs and he's like I'm a lawyer <laughs> great answer yeah yep. <laughs> Um, I mean, he's 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 been precinct crawling for a hell of heck of a long yeah, time. Yeah, he's gotten a lot know, of people off a lot of crimes involving special K. Is my guess. Yeah, yeah. So, he's he's had to have at least absorbed some of it. No question by about accident. That. So let me ask you this: um, We yeah. learn in a stairway conversation that Box and the DA are having that he's recently put in his retirement papers after thirty-three years on the force. Um, yeah. It, wouldn't you say this is yet another small sliver into? This is a prime candidate to want to wrap up one last blockbuster with a bow tie and call it a day. Yeah, yeah, and, and but I can see it taking an interesting turn because Box seems to just like Stone is on the other on the the defense side. He seems very, very detail oriented, and like he wants to very much make sense of things. Correct. So. I don't know. You know. Just call it a hunch. I mean, he seems really. You'll recall from the, the episode before, uh, episode number four. Um, he was none too pleased to hear that Helen and the other folks in the DA's office were willing to even talk a plea deal with him. He seems to feel that it was, you know, the evidence was so overwhelming, stacked, yep. overwhelming that they were not going to be able to, that, that there's no way that the defense could, you know, make, make a case and, and get him off. So that he was pissed that they were going to try to get a plea deal out of him. Um, good point. Good point. And then, and then after he, they reveal that he's going to, um, that he's going to retire, you know, Helen asks him to go and, and piece together his night from the time that he picked her Picked up Andrea to the time that he gets picked up by the police. Yeah, he's getting Nazi's night. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Call it a hunch, but I feel like Box is going to uncover some things in piecing together Nazi's night that say hmm, maybe not. This doesn't look Correct. like an open and shut case. Correct. Let's look at some other things. Correct, and we, we see a little bit of that. So we see, and this is the craziest thing, I think, and it's not that crazy. We all know this happens, but so, as you said, Helen is the DA's name. Good catch by you there. Um, mm-hmm. So Helen says, okay, well then, you know, map his night up for me. Basically, give it to me in a bow. Bow it up for me, dude, you know? Because she, she now has been embarrassed, and she now wants to go for the jugular. She wants to go for murder one. So she wants this thing open and shut. And so Box literally takes a New York City like map, uses the information from where Nas's house is, uh, him paying a toll, him getting a parking ticket, him being on video surveillance cameras, his cell phone calls or where his cell phone towers he's being used. And he basically maps out the whole night. Um, yeah. And as we see later in the show, to your point, I don't think he's mailing it in. He starts going to this to various scenes to kind of get a bird's eye view of what they, what, you know, what Andrea and Nas were seeing, what they were in, where they were at, um, which I think, to your point, bodes well for. I think the DA is going to run with this thing and just try to be overzealous, and it might be Box who winds up pulling her back. Um, well, I, yeah, absolutely, and I think that you see exactly her thought 
process on that. She sees the video. You're, you remember there's a there's a street camera video of, you know, remember when he stops when he's lost and those two dudes get in the car. Correct, when he's first, and the cops and come. Up, yeah, the cop comes, he kicks him out, and then Andrea gets in the car, and she's sitting there watching the video, and she's like, this is it. This is him making the decision, sort of piecing together the yeah, narrative in lying, her head. Yeah, lying in wait, you know, and, and this is premeditated. This is murder one. He chose yep. her, you know, which we all know is from being in the cab with them during those scene, that scene, completely opposite of, of, of that piece of it. I mean, this is definitely not murder one. Um, yeah. Not in the way she's looking at it. So that, no. that's... E- gonna, even if he did do it, it's not murder one. Correct. Correct. And now that she's going for it, I mean, she's really going for... It just kind of shows you how... And again, she seems like she's a hard hitter and she'll, she'll go, you know, she'll, she'll punch below the belt like, like Athel John Stone, as will many people in this show. But she seems like now that she's, you know, given him a chance to, to plead out, that she's now kind of been blinded with rage and made it personal, which uh-huh. that's not her job either. You know, Box called her off for having no cojones and, and settling every murder case. But now she's actually going, in my mind, she's overcorrecting. Um, yeah. All right, so let's, let's really quickly sojourn to something we brought up two weeks ago, and it finally happened. Um, Nas's father meets with his two fellow cab owners, and they basically, respectfully, in their words, ask him to file grand theft auto charges against his own son, Nazir. Um, first of all, the system sucks if the bailiff would tell them that. Second of all, I don't think they get the cab back still. It's still subject to a murder investigation. Just, yeah, because, no, that, just because you're tacking on six more years for Nas's sentence doesn't give you the car back, guys. You're a bunch of idiots. Yeah, uh, yeah. If yeah, Nas is your subject in the your subject. The, your suspect you're not getting your cab back in the murder. There's there's a zero percent chance that cab comes back until they're done with the trial. Yeah, the boys in the so. crime lab aren't gonna be. Like, oh well, he stole it. That makes yeah, it that like, makes oh, it inadmissible. Well, yeah, I and by the way, done. when some cop who's working like desk duty in the impound gives you John Stone's card and says, "Call this guy," that's not exactly sterling advice. Um, I do think that they're going to call John Stone and ask him that, and there's going to be some interesting, something interesting is going to happen around that. Um, well, I think they're going to call up and they're going to say exactly, they're going to tell him enough for him to be intrigued enough to take the case, but they're not going to tell him enough for him to know, oh, this is a conflict of interest. Correct, but it might actually lead to something, so we'll find out what. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to jail for a minute. We love jail. Um, Love now he's starting to do push-ups in his cell. He really seems yep. to be assimilating to what they show us as stereotypical prison life. Of One a, of my no- my note after uh, after after. Um uh, Nas gets revenge on the guy. <laughs> Nas really fitting in well in prison. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, he he. Uh, you know, he, he you know he basically Nas goes all rage city, and it kind of gets Freddie's attention. <laughs> you know. Yep. Freddie's just to skip forward a little bit to, to that, a further scene. Freddie's like, "You got some secrets and you got some rage, and I kind of like it." You know, like he's feeling it. Um, yeah, he's, you know, I think he sees a little bit of himself in him, maybe. Yeah, and also well, we see this later, but Nas decides to shave his head. Um, Nas yeah, decides. Bad decision. Nas decides to play. Chess while smoking reefer marijuana with uh, Freddie and the guys in the cell. Um, yep. Nas decides to go to the TV room and 
put on Ellen instead of whatever show is on. And, you know, basically he starts acting like a tough guy in prison with the protection of Freddie, of course, being paramount. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wielding a strong pimp hand with an asterisk is not necessarily the the toughest move, but he still gets to do it nonetheless because he's got the protection of Freddie. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and he's really, he really seems to be embracing the fact that he's not scared of his mind anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it kind of yeah. goes back, too, that he really, the very first episode, first, like, ten minutes, you could see he really wanted to fit in with, you know, the cool guys, period. You know, the basketball guys at school that he was tutoring. Like, yep. Freddie inside is one of the cool guys, and Freddie has embraced him, and we find out maybe not for completely uh, pure purposes. But Freddie's the cool guy in prison. Freddie's, yeah, Freddie's the guy. You know what I mean? All right, so let's go really quickly, give some props to our buddy Brian Burton, get some more screen time. He is back as the kennel yep. guy. And Brian, if you have a name, we'll figure it out, man, my bad. Um, bottom line is John Stone, he busts Andrea's cat out of cat jail. Um, with Just hours with hours to spare before being put down forever. Um, and yeah. my, I said this last week from Barcelona. I'm going to say it again. I don't know what it means. This has to mean something. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it could mean well, that, that John Stone just I, gets a cat. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, maybe it teaches him some responsibility or something. Dude, th- that, r- you'll remember that I, this, is some, this is important. So when, remember last week when we were going over the few things from my rewatch of episode one that I thought were important. I said something was escaping me. Yes. So the one thing that I was escaping me was that remember when Nas goes in and he's having trouble breathing because he's allergic to cats. He shows her the inhaler. She puts the cat outside. She puts the cat outside that little sort of down under the steps door at the street level. You know how in a brownstone the, the yeah, there's one know, below your, the door. Yeah, entrance. one below the main entrance. Yeah. Yeah. So she puts the cat out, and the door, you know, the door starts to swing close behind her. The door does not latch, and you clearly see the door like swing open a little bit again. And Correct. So it's not, it's not completely closed. Correct. So, and we see that again, you know, towards the end, of episode five, just to continue the thought. When the professional crime photographer comes by, that door, that door, he's playing with that door, too, to take photos. That door still does not latch. That door is broken. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a security yep. door. It's, it's, a, it's a wrought iron door with a broken lock, you know, at street level. Yeah. That means something, right? So, yeah. to it, your point, it, it has to, the, I cat, think. the cat might not mean anything more than, again, it's just going to keep top of mind that door for John Stone. That could turn something over, but I think it's a great point by you. Uh, for sure. Um, well, I mean, and, and as long as Nas and Stone are talking, you know, there could be something that comes up with, you know, uh, I'm, I'm having an eczema reaction to the cat, and Nas says something to the effect of, oh, I know the feeling, and I, I, I'm I'm extrapolating a whole lot from that. Yeah, that but I'm wondering, should, you know, but, we're talking about mixing drugs here, and, you know, I want to get to that, I'll get to that when it's time, but I think his okay. use of the inhaler plus some of the cocktails we know about, plus some of the cocktails we're about to learn about, that can also explain a lot of his pass-outedness, a lot of his inability to remember, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so now let's... And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but it's two episodes, and I want to be mindful of everybody's time, but the bottom line is uh, John Stone is a, cat, is a cat dad. Box is going for the, a walk to the beach under the George Washington Bridge. Box goes somewhere at 2nd Ave and 110th Street. We don't know why. Um, yeah. 
but that's very interesting as well. Um, because Box, like you're pointing out, they were, they were revealing to us that Box is not going to rest easy on this last case. He wants this thing done by the books. You know what I mean? Yep. Any theories on, do you think that 2nd Avenue and 110th Street, which is, you know, it's, it's Harlem and Bodie's character, Trevor mentions it later in tonight's show, that, uh, you know, what, what, I can't walk below 112th Street by myself. Um, bottom line is, 110th Street, excuse me. Do you think that that's going to have something to do with Bodie and the other dude that we learn about in a minute or no? Um, I don't know how it does because as of right now, Box doesn't know about the guy. And, unless he's, go, unless he's well, up there just to Bodie, be like... Though. Oh, yeah, Box knows about Bodie. Trevor, sorry, Trevor. Trevor, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was about to say is that, yeah, I think that to... Th- him being there, I think at that point might simply to be, it might simply be to be that he's going up to see where it is that Trevor lives, Correct. or or maybe to go check out Trevor a little bit more. He doesn't know about um, Dwayne, Dwayne Dwayne yet, and that's going to be fun to talk point. about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, but I, I do think you've got to, you know, you've got Trevor is coming back into the fray as the witness. In, in fact, Trevor gets. Uh, interviewed by the DA. Yep. And he, he does not appear to be legit witness material, and she crosses him off the witness list. So she the, crosses him so off, So the state, yeah. the city, does not want Trevor on their side as a witness, and it's it might be funny because I think, as we learned, John Stone might, um, which we'll get into. Um, lots yeah. to get into. This show did a good job of, like, it doled some out, it went somewhere else, it doled some more out, and, like, three different storylines got doled out about three times each, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to... Um, all right. Well, okay, here's a good one. So we, we talked about Stone. He's having side effects from his steroids. You know, he might need some Cialis or some <laughs> Viagra. Um, yep. He goes to the pharmacist. Apparently, they're all out. There's been a run on that stuff. Um, but even the pharmacist made fun of him, like I told you. But what's interesting <laughs> is that um, John Stone goes to a bar... To visit some guy. And this guy, he definitely could be the white dude mentioned before from Andrea's funeral. But he definitely is Andrea's drug dealer. Oh, yes. And side note, is he Giovanni Ribisi? You know, wow. I had a, I didn't think that, but I may have had a, a subliminal... Half second on that. Crack research team needs to check that before next week. Bottom line, um, I don't know. Guy definitely because you know. I mean, he's got about, some very very similar facial characteristics. If it's not him, correct, correct. We'll find out. He hasn't been in anything in a while, so I. No, just, last just, time I saw just, just a side note. Last time I saw Giovanni Ribisi, he was playing the I guess de facto bad guy in Ted Part One with Mark Wahlberg and the teddy bear. Um, and that's oh, cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he did a good job being creepy in that, so maybe you're right. But so this guy, I don't think it's him, but do you think he's the guy that the stepfather was yelling at the funeral or no? Mm, no, I don't I don't think that's the same guy. Different guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, he admits because Stone uses his like uh you know he basically that guy comes over in there's a cop. He comes in with a fake subpoena <laughs> and points out to a fake customer in the bar and gets this guy to basically say, I need a, I need a lawyer myself because he admits that he gave her ketamine and ecstasy 
on the night of her death. So the plot is certainly thickening. Yep. Mm-hmm. They also, to stick with John Stone, he and Chandra go to her apartment, to the murder scene, with the aforementioned crime detective, uh, crime photographer, excuse me. Uh, they yeah. show the darn deer head again. Um, there's definitely blood on it again. So the deer head is a thing, for real. Um, Chandra clearly sees the murder scene for the first time, uh, and he says he finds something. He said it could be squirrel blood, but I found something. Um, yeah. They don't ever tell us what that is. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it just appears to be a blood sample that he puts into the vial. Got out it. the back door. I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, it, it's way too vague to say. I can't say. Yeah, I, I really can't say. Gotcha. That's fair. I can't either. I, they did a good job of teasing that one because that might come back. I don't know how this is all going to come back. That's my biggest thing. All right. So we talked about the DA now thinking that this, the footage of, of Nas picking up Andrea is premeditative. Uh, then she goes to the coroner. Oof. Interesting very scene. Very dark scene. Interesting scene. One. Oof. Coroner is working on a, you know, a cadaver. Um, yeah. She interrupts it. He... The HBO does what they always do, which is they find a way to get a gratuitous, um, you know, wiener shot, for lack of a better term. They, they, they find a way to get in three of those on a cadaver while also showing us a picture of Nas's hand. Um, and she basically tries to convince him to convince her that the way Nas cut his hand was not on the cloaking glass, but on stabbing her 22 times and in one of those times cutting his hand once. And he yep. very, very kind of... With great malaise, is like, yeah, sure. I mean, I can say that in court if I have to. Like, it's not not a good scene, not a good look for the side of justice and the people at all. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. You just kind of see that dark side of you know this is, and it it really. If you have not listened to uh, the serial podcast, you kind of should because there are some very similar themes where it's the, you know. In this case, the DA is formulating its story, and they are going to the people who will eventually. Well, I, I don't know if the medical examiner is going to testify, but I think it's reasonable to assume that he will in this particular case, um, and kind of going to them and helping them craft exactly what it is that they're going to say to get a conviction. So you know, you have this um, fictional courtroom drama, but there are. You know, sort of real life parallels Correct. that say, hey, this is the kind of stuff that it goes on right? happens when they decide that this is the narrative that they're going to go with. It's kind of scary. Correct. But what it's doing is it's putting aside, hopefully, of truth on the defense because now the prosecution is certainly working in the gray area of plausibility versus fact. And in a criminal case, plausibility is not what convicts people unless the jury's obviously rigged too. Um, yeah. Okay, so we find that out. Uh, as I say, you know, Nas is really taking to jail. You know, again, he's putting up signs about not smoking, you know, because of noise. Um, yeah. You know, spray painting things to get a job. But the hook is Freddie wants him to be a drug mule. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> and to, to swallow four bags Nas, of... Nas, right to drug mule for Freddie. <laughs> yeah. To swallow four bags of cocaine in the visitor's room while talking to both of his attorneys. Um, hell of a scene. Um, there's yeah. just like... Hell of a scene. First of all, just to kind of, I'm going to tie a couple things together. We learned that Nas had amphetamine in his system, but Andrea doesn't. My first question was asthma meds, right? No. Apparently, there has not been amphetamines 
in those for a long time. It's steroids. So we learned that Nas is doing Adderall, which is Stone alludes to, all college kids do, but that's not okay because amphetamine's amphetamine. Um, Correct. And that's not good. Um, but the crazy scene is that Nas is having this conversation about lying to his attorney. This new guy comes by that, you know, is the mule's, like, nephew, whatever. He hands drug bags that were in a part of her body to Nas in front of everybody, and Nas then has to swallow it and eventually pass those, if you know what I mean, later. Um, and Nas does this all in front of John Stone, and of course John Stone's like, I know what you're doing, I know you have to do it, but if you get caught, this whole thing is over. Just a crazy... Crazy scene. Yeah, very intense. What did you very make? Intense. What did you make of the fact that Nas didn't tell him about the the Adderall? It's kind of. A, I don't think it's a big deal, other than if it create if it caused him to do something nuts, that sucks. But well, I, you know, I think that the Adderall. I mean, he's a college kid. I think he's taking Adderall to. You know, because he's studying and he's up late. You know, any number of oh, reasons no why college kids take Adderall. I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think that he took Adderall with Andrea, and therefore, I don't think he thought it was important. Correct. I agree with that. I, just want to I don't think that. It, yeah, I think that you know, a, a, a kid who goes and takes Adderall doesn't necessarily know that it's amphetamine. That it doesn't know that it's good. That if they were to take a drug test, if their employer or parents or anybody for that matter required them to take a drug test that they test positive for amphetamines but doesn't mean that they're not in there um so i i i think quite frankly it was just you know he didn't think that it was relevant to the case yeah that's why he didn't tell anybody about it yeah no i agree with that and i I hope that that's what it is um we'll find out now the interesting is though is that cocaine of course is an amphetamine he has just swallowed four packets of it. When he passes them, he only passes three successfully. So that's, oh, a, bit of a, yeah. that's a bit of a cliffhanger because he's got court next week, it looks like, too. Um, and if they drug test him, that could be trouble. Um, all right, so about six minutes left here before we go to the wow. hour mark, and I want to get onto the hour mark. So any hot takes okay. on that piece? On the, the drugs? On not passing the fourth bag. He better pass it or he's going to end up ODing in, the, in prison. In the joint, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah. Not going to worry about life in prison. A, it's going to be a short stay. <laughs> yeah, life in prison is going to be the couple weeks that he serves. What if he passes it during during court? Ooh, boy. Anyway. Um, well, I don't think anybody's going to go examine his poo. I hope not. I hope not. All right. Last, <laughs> last couple things. Last couple things. We've got okay. Stone. Uh, he's watching the tape of Bodie. Oh, the one thing we learned, of course, is that when Nas, when Nas corroborates his story, he's like, no, there was two guys, not one. And so... Bodie, a.k.a. Trevor, is lying about being alone. Which I think everybody's been waiting for. And we've been noticing this, noticing this, noticing this. I didn't know we were going to get as far as we did. So Stone watches the tape, decides Trevor is lying, goes to a laundromat to confront him. Um, I don't know why he's wearing those white gloves, but it's so fucking, excuse my language, everybody, funny. Um, (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, It is. I had to use the F word. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, So... He gets he, then he goes to Trevor. He gives him the the run around the John Stone special. We learn that his name is what Dan the, the, the guy the other guy. Well, we learn that his name is Dwayne Reed, which of course um, is the largest convenience store chain in New York City. Pharmacy chain. Correct. I'm so sorry. It's a it's a pharmacy chain. And also it's across City the street from the laundry. It's across room. the street. So he thinks that he's pulling a a, a 
a, a usual suspects type. Correct, Kaiser Sose. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, or no, not Kaiser Sose, but yeah, Kabayashi, exactly. Yeah, verbal Kent. Verbal Kent. Skokie, yeah. Illinois. All that. So anyway, um, but we learned he's actually Dwayne Reed, and apparently Dwayne Reed has a huge rap sheet a mile long and is embusted with a knife every time he's embusted. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Any. Yeah. I just go back to the fact that, like, it can't be as simple as that's the guy because, like, that. If you just watched one episode and were asked to piece together, if and you were asked to piece together everything and just kind of make a reasonable, correct, uh, correct. a reasonable assumption as to who the murderer was, and it can't be Nas. It's got to be that guy. Correct, and this because shows, this you shows. see in the first episode. Oh, I was walking alone. Okay, that's he's lying. That's the guy there. That's got to be it. Right. There's some reason to be quiet about that. Now I wonder if between the drug dealer and that guy and Stone mentions someone's someone's got to owe her. If she owes you money and you owe somebody else money, that money becomes pretty important to you. Like you know, it's, there's definitely a couple of lines there. Anyway, um, then Stone goes to confront this guy Dwayne Reed, who's playing cards in a cooler at a bodega, and. Oh, Dwayne runs, and of course Dwayne's athletic. Stone is in flip flops and white Mickey Mouse gloves going after him. He and goes a, in the alley. Bad idea, Jim. In a London fog duster. Correct, but he's on steroids, so we know his judgment and his strength are both well, one's bad and one's strong. <laughs> and then he's basically on a goose chase. It gets kind of scary. He's holding a tire iron. The show ends. What were your thoughts yeah. in the ending? What were your thoughts in that scene? Well, I thought to myself, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like you're this schlubby eczema sufferer who is going to confront a guy who's in a in a backroom card game in a at a bodega somewhere in Queens. Oh, and more importantly or, 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 or than all that, Harlem. more importantly than all that, he is a violent criminal. <laughs> yeah. And you're you, guy, you're wearing Tevas. Come on, dog. Like come on. Yeah. Your so, chances of success in a backroom alley fight with the guy are pretty low. Correct. So what are your thoughts on next week, or what were your thoughts on this episode? Great episode? Good episode? Bad Very episode? good episode. Yeah. Excellent. That was really a strong. Lot of, a lot of stuff happening. Any, you know. Who's the leader in the clubhouse for murderer of Andrea? I'm still saying it's someone in the family. I don't think it's Dwayne. Yeah, I agree. I think Dwayne like I think, may have gone there to rob the place, but I think I think it's more complicated than all this. Yeah. Like, Dwayne might have gone right. there and found the body and been like, holy, or, you know, it could have been a big holy crap moment. You know, who knows? I think we're heading for a cluster. That's all I got to say. So, tell me this. How many episodes is the season? Still don't know. It's going to be eight to ten, though, so we've got three to five eight hours to left. Okay. I mean, we can double check on that, but I, we gotta, we gotta, we, we're already moving, but we gotta keep moving because, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to put together. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I, I think I've moved back off of my, j- just seeing the, the rage in Nas. I'm, I'm moving back. I, I still think that he's a long shot to be it, but it's a little more likely this week, having seen that he's capable. He's capable of violent, just sort of blind rage. Yeah, especially if he's drug-induced. I'm just saying, and maybe with the, the, the steroids from the inhaler, the drugs, the alcohol, the conflicting ketamine with, with, with you know, the amphetamines and the ecstasy, could, could be. Pl- very plausible. All right, man. Yeah. Listen, we'll, we'll end it there. We'll do it again next week. Uh, stick around for okay. a minute. Let's catch up. Here comes the outro.
Alright. Appreciate being on, dude. So what, uh, well, we'll wait till the song ends, but what's up for the, uh, the weekend, man? Anything good? Um, well, we got some friends, so we were in Massachusetts and didn't see some friends, and now we're 